Hey, hello, willkommen, bienvenue, konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo. <laughs> it's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 153 on Sunday the 4th of October. I'm Armish Phil. I'm Armish Ben from an undisclosed secret location. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Armish Matt in my front room. Uh, and this week's <laughs> guest, this week's guest is a returning guest. Uh, he's a philosopher, yeah. author, founder of Astronism. Preston's very own space Jesus, Comatan. Well, <laughs> welcome back, Comatan. How are we doing, buddy? Thank you for having me back, yeah. Um, obviously, a lot has changed since last time I was on in March. So, I was on just before down, wasn't I? So, uh, not too bad. Uh, about some interesting stuff. Oh my word! You've been taken over <laughs> by the robots. It's this, uh, yeah. this internet. Can you hear me? That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. We, we missed. We missed. Is that's only like a lovely introduction. Yeah. Hot, I was saying. It, we couldn't yeah, hear a word of it. Yeah, I'm annoyed about all that. All the, <laughs> all, all the vowels were missing. All <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Oh gosh. Just well, that. I've got internet, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I think the gist of it was... This new world, isn't it, that we're living in? Yep. The, the last time it's we... Too bad sp- I can't be there in person. Well, I was going to mm. say, the last time we spoke in early March, you were the last guest that we had in the studio. Oh, right. Oh, right. Okay, and, yeah. Um, well... You were gearing up for your first yeah. um, public speaking event. Mm. I was, yeah, which obviously was cancelled, unfortunately. Um, and the venue that it was at, is sort of closed indefinitely. Uh, they oh, can't yeah. run events there now for till next year, maybe. So it's yeah, it's really sad. Mm. Yeah. Have you been filling your time during the lockdown? Uh, well, I've been busy. Um, towards like the beginning of it, I was finishing off some assignments and stuff, and then I got straight into my master's dissertation, which I've been doing pretty much for the last. Um, three months from sort of June till September um, and that's kind of what I want to talk about today and, and um, go yeah. through what I what I found out and, and what I wanted to find out and what what's still what mysteries still uh, still evade us so yeah um, no I've been busy with different things of course and just spending time with family as well you know yeah I think it might be useful, just sort of, kind of briefly, just for people who didn't hear, who haven't gone back and listened yeah. to one episode one two two. Just can you give us like the um, the Cliff Notes version of astronism and what it entails? 
Yeah, I mean, today I'm I'm sort of not really going to speak in... Well, we can speak about astronism, but it's mainly... Um, we're going to be talking more about the tradition of religion that I think astronism belongs to and sort of how that relates to other religions. Philosophies and movements. I sort of listened back to March, uh, the, the episode in March a few days ago, and uh, how much things have changed with astronism since then. It's, it's quite interesting to, to go back and listen to it. Right. Um, quite a lot's changed. Um, we've got a few new more websites now. Um, but um, the, the central premise is still a space religion. Um, but now uh, I've sort of got a better kind of overview of, of, of sort of what it entails even from, you know, six months ago, I have an even better idea now. Um, do you think um, that is, yeah. Do you think that because of the research you've been doing for your masters, that that's given you a bit of a, like a foundation, a grounding for the theology? Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's allowed me to go way back in history to sort of prehistoric times and looking at archaeology. I've become an archaeologist, this <laughs> a bit of one anyway, this summer from my uh, from a house anyway, uh, having to look at artifacts from sort of prehistoric times and um, sort of what these sort of ancient and prehistoric people used to believe about about uh, the space, obviously, you know. And um, so, yes, going back in time, uh, has really allowed me to sort of put into perspective the, what's happening now, you know, with astronism in the contemporary. So definitely it's, it's allowed me to have that foundation. Um, and also it's informed some new beliefs and ideas as well that are part of, that are part of astronism. Um, one that I want to talk about maybe a bit later on um, is astronality, which is a new word I've, I've, come up with coins if you will um i think it might have existed in a few other bits on, on the internet but i've sort of um i've coined that term to to refer to um sort of, of a belief that 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 has come from my theories about prehistoric times and how that relates to today so right. um yeah it's interesting it's been it's been good why don't why don't we go why don't we go into that then the, the sort of yeah. the prehistoric origins Brilliant. of all this yeah so um the the basis of of what my dissertation was and and the vision that i had for it um i kind of came up with about maybe a year ago and so i knew then that I, that I was going to start my dissertation and that's what I wanted to find out. And that was, um, where do, what, where do beliefs about the stars, uh, where do sort of religious spiritual beliefs about the stars, where do they come from? Uh, um, really going back before ancient civilizations, where do they really, really come from in prehistory? And, and so for that, I had to look at the origins of religion, uh, looking at, um, sort of star worship, and um, all the different forms, moon worship, sun worship, all these different elements um, that people had, other scholars have looked at, um, but they'd never really um, categorised them into their own tradition. So obviously in religion we have three main traditions, uh, the Abrahamic, 
the Dharmic, which is the Indian religions, and the Taoic ones, which is the Chinese religions. Um, and my hypothesis was that these sort of astronomical beliefs, um, including like astrology, which we can come to later, because that was a dispute in, in and of itself, whether astrology belongs to this tradition. Uh, that's an ongoing dispute. Um, but also things like star worship. You know, where do they come from? Where do they fit in? Um, they've often been sort of added into like paganism, uh, you know, and, and sort of adopted into those types of movements. But and they are pagan, of course, but um, I do think that they deserve sort of their own separate tradition that has its own history, um, that it's got its own distinct practices. And um, so that's what my mission was, was to try and figure out where it's where the origins of this astronic, as I've termed it, uh, tradition, where they were, where they come from. And I right. found that it that it. It, it, it is in the origins of religion itself uh, in the Stone Age. Um, so, yeah, it was a completely new topic to me. Uh, I'd never looked at that before, so it was it was brilliant. And I got um, I got eighty seven on it out of hundred, so eighty seven percent. So I was really pleased with that. Right. Uh, couldn't ask for much better than that. So, um, yeah, it's just about talking about it now i suppose <laughs> what, are, um, what are sort of the earliest links that you've found between some sort of star worship or constellation yeah. worship or sun worship so we have to yeah so we have to go back to the paleolithic period uh which is a huge period uh which goes from sort of two million years ago to um to the last uh, ice age yeah. um i was looking at the upper paleolithic um there are some um there are some sort of possible origins in the middle paleolithic which is um from memory before 50000 BC uh but i was looking mainly at 40000 BC to about 10000 BC for the, for the for the majority of the dissertation um and there is actually quite a lot of uh evidence really um and I obviously urge people to go and, and, and read what I've what I've what I've found, and uh, can give links to, to where if they can read the full dissertation. But um, beautiful um, ivory carvings, for example, of star patterns is one. Um, the use of um, cup marks, you know, in, in the, they used to like um, carve out. Um, sort of constellation patterns in rock faces. Um, and then you also have the other dimension, which is rock art itself, um, depicting animals as as stars, which is a really interesting idea. The, the idea that, um, for example, the Taurus constellation is um, derived from, obviously, the bull and... and, and um, or, ox. Or, or or a similar ox, yeah, or similar uh, type of, of animals. It depends where, that's another dimension of it, it depends where you're looking at as well, obviously. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's brilliant, brilliant areas, the places in France, some brilliant um, sites there. Sorry? Cheval and Las, Las Gaulle, yes. is it? Yeah, yeah, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, so I had to collect all that together, collect all these specimens together, sort of like, in a way, determine... Is this 
uh, astronomically religious or not. And that was the hardest part, you know, because obviously we're looking at this thousands of years in the future. How can we tell whether these things were done in a religious way? Um, I used some really interesting people's work from sort of the 20th century. Um, there was a lot of interest, it seems, around the 1950s in this sort of stuff. Um, and you, all you need to do really is look at sort of the, the dedication of these people to watch the stars moving. And then you can imagine it, them sort of seeing where the stars are moving and, and sort of depicting that in these rock faces. Why would you do that? You know, why are you doing this? Why, why were they doing this? Sorry. And um, obviously I, I believe in my postulation is that they were, that they were worshiping these stars, that they were, um, that they believed that these stars had um, imp- influence on what was going on around them. You know, the fact that, for example, they used to draw or, or um, act out the hunt before they actually went on the hunt. And the and there's a there's a beautiful um, depiction in the Lasox caves, um, or Lasso caves um, in France, um, of like an, an ox or something. And the, you can see that they've they've depicted the stars on top of the, a depiction of. The, of the ox or what's going on there you know do they believe that the stars are are giving them this this hunt you know i i i, I think so you know i i sort of the, the evidence was coming in before me to think yeah they probably did think that the stars had an influence on um what was going on the, and, and of, of course that is the origins of astrology you know would it be uh, which a, is orion would it be orion that the depicting in the cosmic hunt yeah that was another common one um so obviously orion would be there the you know with the the arrow bow and arrow or whatever they were using to to kill the the beast and then um and that obviously depicted them so you can understand that they they've got sort of cosmology where they really believe that the stars are kind of them in a way it's, it's weird it's sort of interesting it's um it's attributing what's going on up in star to what's going on here it's it's fascinating As, origins that's where i sort of pin is my internet gone bad oh it's all right it, it, all right. it just yeah. goes it's it's the old um alchemical axiom isn't it as above yeah. as above so below yeah um and and obviously those type and and that was hard that what what was really difficult was trying to decipher trying to unpack sort of the ancient stuff which is all great the egyptian beliefs um the babylonian beliefs all all these are the great ancient civilizations from the prehistoric and i think there's been a lot of overlap um and and, and of as to where these sayings like you were just saying then where they actually or- originate, it's really hard to sort of try and um, detangle all these different things um, because astrology, as I've postulated, is has its origins much further back than than what perhaps we thought of before. Um, you know, in Paleolithic times. Um, so yes, I mean as well. 
I, I sort of postulated that astrology was the first religion, which is a bit of a bigger statement to make. So um, you'd have to read it to see if you were convinced by my evidence um, that it was the first religion. Um, but, you know, that's something for me to continue to, to theorise upon, isn't it? You know, I kind of opened another can of worms, really, to, yeah. you know, another lifetime of, of scholarship. So, What's your thoughts on, you described um, back in the Paleolithic, the cosmic hunt. What's your thoughts on, yes. on the rela- relationship to agriculture back then? Because as far as the sort of orthodoxy of arcology and, mm-hmm. and anthropology goes, and, you know, um, agriculture didn't start till the end of the last ice age, 12-odd yep. thousand years ago. So what do you think yeah. about potential links before that? Possibly. Uh, I think whenever they're dealing with such huge timescales like this, it is hard to obviously pinpoint. Um, but I think we can... F- pretty much say that yes it, it, the agriculture that we would understand that we would relate to probably did only sort of arise after the last stone uh, after the last ice age um but of course yeah the, the cosmic hunt that's that's another huge part of the introduction of, of of the dissertation um and really that was the beginning of it that because that was the first thing i came across was this this myth of the cosmic hunt and um, the idea that when they they believe, they told this story over and over again, it spread across continents, you know, over thousands of years, which is amazing in and of itself. But also the fact that um, they believed that when they killed this beast, it was going up to the stars after it died, which is or. or there's so many different variants as well of the story, but majority of them state that um, it either went up to the stars or is related to the stars in some way uh, after it was wounded. Um, so, you know, that's the beginning of it, you could say. And obviously we've, of this tradition, I mean, and um obviously we can pinpoint that to before the 15,000 BC mark because um, it got across the Bering Strait, of course, This, this, these ideas. Um, and they wouldn't have, unless, I mean, s- someone sceptical might say, oh, well, they could have just had those ideas in America anyway. Well, yeah, they could have done, <laughs> but I would think it'd be more logical that people have migrated across the Bering Strait and um, they've, you know, found these they've, they've retold the story um in a multitude of different ways depending on their environments as well the beast whatever the beast is whatever the creature is that they kill it changes you know it might be an ox in one place um or you know whatever other animal you can think of in in another depending on the environment so yeah that was that was a, a big part of of um of sort of evidence really that 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 there does exist a tradition there that is um astronomical in theme that is distinct from anything else really that's that's the key point that it's it's sort of it doesn't fit into abrahamic dharmic or Taoic or any other type of of, of religious tradition because it's tried to do this you know tried to say well there does exist a tradition, but it's much further back in the Paleolithic. So, 
Yeah. There's plenty of people who would probably argue that the Abrahamic, Dharmic and Taoist traditions emanated from the the astronomic mythology. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, that would be a... That would be another dissertation, I think, to be able to um, gather all of the sort of evidence together to connect them all together, which is something I would like to do um, in later, in you know, sometime later in the future. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely, um, there's clear links. I mean, I did. I have. There's a couple of appendix appendices in in the dissertation where I talk about um, astronomical influence in the Bible, for example. Um, there is a there is an instance where there's like a star worshipper um, sort of named in the Bible. Um, this like old woman, it, it was. Um, I have to give you the if you're interested, I'll give you the actual passage. But it, yeah. Jesus was there, and and he was sort of healing someone or, or something like that. And um, yeah, it just mentioned that this old lady was there who worshipped the stars and, you know, so where did she come from? You know, <laughs> they must have existed somewhere because, you know, they, um, she was around, of course, so in Jesus's time. So that's another connection. And of course, you've got the other um, famous examples of the star of Bethlehem. I mean, you can look into that you know so deeply yeah, maybe too much you can look into that too much i don't know but um that's a huge you could say that the whole i don't know christianity is based on that if the star of bethlehem went there what what does that represent and you know um that's a really interesting conversation to have um but i did try and stay out of that out of those uh, conversations for this dissertation. I just wanted to really focus on prehistoric times and trying to get my my specific theory grounded first before I go off and <laughs> yeah. start making all, all loads of other statements and stuff. So, I, yeah, uh, but it's all interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I sent your dissertation to David Matheson. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Um, Oh, got, all right. Got one of no, his books here. No, okay. He's coming on the show in a few weeks. Um, Astral Theology for Life. Right. Um, right. Okay. He's, brilliant. He's written yeah. about nine or ten books, and it's right up your alley. Oh yeah. He's sort of that. Um, yeah. looking at, at ancient star myths and then relating <laughs> yes. them, relating them to the sort of Abrahamic traditions and all the rest yes. of it, and trying to draw comparisons. I'm sure you'd find it useful. Um, yeah, I would do. Yeah, I'll watch that, definitely. I'll yeah. tune into that, yeah. He, he enjoyed your work anyway. He sent me a message saying... Uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting to get feedback from um, different... Obviously, for me personally, to get my grades is, you know, that's the main thing for me at the moment, to be able to progress on to, to, the, to the, my next stage of, of education. But, yeah, to get, to get some, some of the feedback that I've got from some... Some people I've even mentioned in the actual dissertation have given me feedback. So wow. that's just been amazing. Cool. Um, some some people involved in rock art and, and um, some professors who have involved in that. So to get that type of feedback is just brilliant for me. It's sort of a validation, um, you know, but obviously to to really establish this tradition though is going to take a hell of a lot longer to 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 do isn't it you know mm. to to have it accepted is going to be 
probably beyond my lifetime and I'm only 22. So <laughs> to have it really, and I understand that. So I, I, you know, it's the same with astronomy itself. You know, I, I understand that I might be gone by the time, um, you know, anything we're really too, we're too gets recognised. <laughs> Where are you going? You know, so, well, who knows? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the whole question. <laughs> that's the big question, yeah. Just, um, just um, going back but, to the cosmic you know, hunt a minute. It, uh, can I just yes, go back to the cosmic... Yeah. You know, you mentioned that, you know, it seems to pop up in North America, in Europe, in France, in I'm sure it's probably in Australia, all over the world. It kind of suggests like a progenitor. Different con- from which yes. it From which it was diffused around the world. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, and a progenitor of... Yeah, a progenitor of ideas, a progenitor of, of sort of... Of religion itself, you could say. Um, obviously, I'd have to be able to to give evidence for that and, and maybe do a dissertation on the cosmic hunt itself. Uh, it probably does. It does deserve something written on it solely. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it's and and, and in a way, I kind of also um, I found some other similar myths as well, that, that involves stars and, and astronomy, astronomical observation. Yeah, a lot um, of the Greek myths. didn't get chance. Yeah, I, I didn't get chance to really delve into them because, um, obviously, I had um, 15,000 words. So you can only do so much with that when you've got <laughs> mm. so many other things to do. But there are other myths out there as well that, that seem to have come from the this cosmic hunt myth. Uh, they seem to have been, you know, so, totally separate stories, but sort of similar ideas, similar, um, but then also, t- and some really wacky ones as well. Uh, you, you wonder where they've really come from. You know, they seem, I don't know, like something out of a science fiction film, some of them, where they're sort of oh. going up to space, you know, oh. which is... Tell us more. You know. <laughs> Uh, well, Ancient I'm trying to think of what it was. It was something like um, it was something like this. This this girl married a star or something. Um, I'll have to send it to you. But she, yeah, she she like the myth was that she married this star and she sort of floated up into space in in up to the star um, and then sort of came back down again afterwards for some reason. But um, it was very interesting to read, <laughs> very bizarre. But it just makes you wonder, doesn't it, where sort of, where are these, where did they all come from? And I think you're right, it, it probably did become inspired by um, the cosmic hunt, which was itself inspired by, you know, what the most important thing was at that time, which was feeding themselves, you know, and um, that sort of basic, um, yeah, that's what I kind of love about it, actually, the sort of the very basicness of it. You know, this is all based not on complex theology. It's not based in in sort of, because civilizations aren't developed by then. So it's all very basic. It's all very, you know, worshipping the stars because the stars, um, they believe that the stars were giving them, the ability to, um, to as you were saying before, agriculture. Uh, the, the st- they were using the stars, uh, the movements of the stars to to plant the crops and harvest the crops. Yeah. So you know it's it's kind of basic, but it's also it's, it's, you can see where 
other religions have come from. You really can see it when you when you look at it. This very basic star. Well, that seems to be worship. like like the second evolution. So it seems to me like mm-hmm. the cosmic hunt is your first evolution for yeah. hunter gatherers who need yeah. who are worshiping, say, Orion to have strength for the hunt the mm-hmm. next day, so that they feed the families. And then once you get to yeah. the end of the ice age, and we start seeing signs of more complex astronomical observations yeah. which are required for agriculture yes. then it really takes on yeah. a life of its own you have agriculture yeah. gives you this the freedom to have specialization in skills and a priestly class and yeah. stonemasons and all the rest yeah. of it and it's it's the reason why we have a civilization yeah. to start with mm. yeah that's right yeah uh, and i think obviously you know and obviously things develop from there. Um, but, and obviously what, like I was saying before, you know, astrology, obviously you can see where that came from. You know, it's, it's very interesting. It's sort of, for me, when I, when I'd completed it, it all kind of made sense to me then. Cause I think there was something that wasn't right to me. There was something that was missing uh, before I did this for me personally um to, to sort of the history of religion and, and where it, it all came from yeah. um and after doing this i feel a lot more sort of i can understand it a lot more now i sort of have this sort of timeline in my head now of okay this was happening then this was happening then and that's how it developed on um you know whereas if you are thinking from in the context of a particular religion like christianity obviously they may think back to Moses and Abraham at the earliest, but they don't even consider anything before that. And so, you know, in schools and things like that, they're not teaching this kind of stuff, um, you know, because, well, it doesn't matter to them because only thing that matters is when Jesus came, of course. So it's, it's, it's interesting to have kind of a, a proper full perspective on everything <laughs> rather than just within from within a, a particular um religious framework if, if you get mm. what i'm saying yeah it's the the abrahamic yeah. tradition is self-limiting in that respect because we have a, a, a historic timeline that go, only goes back so far yeah yeah that's right and i think um that, that was another interesting thing was that the the feedback that i'm starting to get now is it's sort of it's mixed because obviously by basing um, some of these, you know, the largest religions in the world on um, or tracing their lineage back to some of these pagan um, ideas and, and, and practices is not something that that obviously these religions would like to admit, <laughs> you know. So it's but you know, but they can't kind of. They, they can't really argue with the evidence that has been presented. No, no, it's... Um, and one of them is often claims to be the oldest religion in the world, you know, um, which to me is a little bit of a fallacy, really. Um, but, you know, they get away with it and it's there and it's quite widespread, actually, in scholarship. Um but obviously with what I'm presenting, 
I'm sort of sort of flipping the table on that theory and trying to <laughs> bring it more to the astronomical because that's that's what I fight for. You know, anything yeah. astronomical based. That's what I believe in. You know, that's what I want to fight for. So, you know, it's it's a battleground. It really is. And there's gatekeepers. Um, you know, I've seen that already. People who maybe don't want to talk about this type of stuff. Um, you know, people who don't want to consider that there might be a tradition of religion that precedes Abrahamic tradition, the Abrahamic tradition. Um, it's uncomfortable for some people. You know, they don't want to consider that. It's <laughs> you sort of undermining the sort of legitimacy of, of their beliefs, aren't you? So you are going yeah. into sort of dangerous territory in some ways, but and the, the that's new- the nature of it. The new kid on the block, if it becomes successful, usually ends up sort of persecuting the former mm. ones. If you look back through history, or up, up until the modern day, look mm. at, at what ISIS what ISIS did with the the Yazidis. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. if you're not if you're either with us or you're against us, so you can understand yeah. some trepidation, can't you? To yeah, oh yeah, I can understand. I'm not that, saying that you're going to start like a war against. <laughs> the G- <laughs> no, I don't think so. Maybe an intellectual war, that's definitely an intellectual one, which is fine. Uh, you know, that that's that's. I, I like to have an intellectual war because it, it's sort of you sort of pushing ideas together, and whoever which one wins, you know, that's good. But not a, not a physical war. No. <laughs> I'd like. Anyway. <laughs> I'd like to ask you something a bit more broadly about astronism. Okay, yeah. Um, is there, do you feel there is um, a relationship, either physical or metaphysical, between us as individual sentient beings and the cosmos yeah. at large? Yes, I think definitely. I think there is, and this is sort of, that, that's a brilliant question to, to sort of go into this idea that I mentioned at the beginning called astronality, uh, which I've coined um to refer to this, I, I mean, I would say it's it's an emotion, which is quite a quite a, a statement because maybe the psychologists might might differ with me on that. Because um, you're going into sort of psychology there when you start talking about emotions and, and feelings and things like that. But I I am going to postulate that it is one spiritual, um, physical. Uh, um, emotional connection to the astronomical world and what i found was that this that was the basis of of where this tradition has come from so when we're talking about astrology so imagine if um you know forty thousand years ago you've got this sort of early human um sort of looking up at the stars and and sort of maybe worshiping the stars but what is the foundational emotion behind that? What is the emotion behind that? What is the psychology behind that? And it's really interesting when you when you start to think about it in that way because you're sort of trying to get into their mind in a way about how how and why that they began to do the practices and beliefs um, that they did. And I believe it's based on the on an emotion uh, that that is relates to what you've just said is that. there is a connection between individuals and the astronomical world. And that is what has brought about these beliefs. 
So we sort of have to separate what I call astronality as an emotion from beliefs like worship. Um, but I believe that's what it's based on right. and that's how it's influenced astronism in the present. Um, now astronism is, and this is probably the biggest difference from when I last spoke to you is, is based on, on this idea of astronality, this idea of sort of, um, sort of awakening this emotion inside you. You know, everyone has that capacity. You know, you can look up to the star and, and wonder, and, and they, that's sort of there. It, that's kind of what it is. Um, but I, I sort of want to carve out something a bit more distinct um, as a distinct emotion that people feel when they look up to the stars or when they think about um, the cosmos. Um, so, of course, you know, that is something I need to... I'll probably do another dissertation on, but um, yeah, I do think I do think that there is um, sort of. Do you think that interconnecting um, force in a way, but force. I think it is more, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking... Is the internet bad again? It's all right. Sorry, I, just said again. Yeah. I covered for you. Interconnecting force. <laughs> um, I think even... All right, okay, yes. yeah. Even on a purely physical level, we feel connected mm. to the earth. We need the oxygen in the atmosphere yeah. to survive. If you go yeah. like one step out to the moon, I think there's definitely physical connection between us and the moon. Yeah. The tides definitely. and, you know, I don't know if it's true about menstruation and whatnot but you've heard i've heard that talked about and then you go to this interesting yeah the sun i mean we we feel the sun and it it gives us vitamin d we can't survive without vitamin d um i wonder if there's another level like beyond our solar system like a physical connected connection is that even possible oh he's gone he's gone oh i think definitely i think Am I here? Yeah, yeah, there, go on. I can still hear you, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there definitely is. I think, and obviously, we will discover that as we start to venture beyond the Earth. Um, you know, we will discover these other... It's kind of like a dependency kind of kind of religion. It comes from, like, dependency. You know, we depend on the sun, we depend on the Earth, we depend on the moon, um, which I kind of like, actually. So it's not sort of... It's not. It's it's a nature religion, isn't it? It's 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 religion of nature, and so obviously that's very different from the other like Abrahamic traditions, of course. Um, but yeah, I definitely think um, as we go out into the into the solar system and beyond, um, that idea is only going to develop more, and there'll be more examples of of that as we keep going. Um, I think for an astronist person i think the goal um and certainly my goal is to kind of cultivate that that sort of connection if you will um sort of here and now in a way um try and thinking on that astronomical scale you know not just thinking about human not just thinking about the earth but thinking about the, that a cosmos scale which is obviously difficult to do it's not easy to think so far beyond yourself um and a lot of people don't like to do that you know <laughs> i found that quite, you know they don't want to think about that um 
I think that's a lot of reason why Christianity and some of these, what I call human centric or anthropocentric religions, that's why they do so well, because it's easier to think about, it's easier to connect yourself to other humans, isn't it? Than to something that's far away, you know, the, the stars, well, the millions of miles away, why do we need to connect ourselves to that? Why do we need to sort of, um, you know, sort of depend on those? Um, but I, well, we do, we do anyway, but I, I believe that um, as an astronist person, that, 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 should, that should be our goal, really, to, to cultivate that emotion. Um, it's a question, so yeah, of, yeah, it's a question of scale, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you can sort of categorize religions according to that scale. Um, I mean, I was talking to a guy about two weeks ago and he's just, he's a futurist. So he's obviously not really here with us. He's sort of thousands of years in the future in his mind. You know, he can think he's brilliant. He can think even, (laughs) even for me, it was sort of a sort of, or for anyone it would be, you know, the things he was talking about, as in um, the scientific advancements that are possible in the future and, and, you know, being able to resurrect people from the dead, that's another belief he has that he thinks that we'll be able to do through science and technology at some point in the future. Um, You know, that's sort of a scale beyond astronism, I would say, you know, and I kind of had this idea of, you know, Astronism might be the bridge between these Earth-centric religions and some of these more out, you know, more sort of futuristic ones. Maybe it's more of a bridge, you know, a, between between those two extremes, you know. Mm. So it is a scale. There is a scale, and you can categorize religions according to that. Um, and it sort of exposes them in a way, which <laughs> might upset some people, but. I mean, it doesn't. Um, you could you could look at it as though they're undermining them. You know, with Christianity being so geocentric, so focusing on the Earth. You know, the Earth was made for humans. You know, it's all about not just the Earth, but specific places on the Earth. That's such a small scale, isn't it? Mm. But does that undermine the religion? I don't know. We'd have to, to explore that uh, as another idea. You know, does the fact that it is a small scale undermine it? I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Would you class um, mm. Would you class astronism as monotheistic? So it's about the force. Yeah, I know what you're saying there. Um, no, because I don't think that's I don't think that has anything to do with sort of like a creator god. Um, not to say that Astrid doesn't have a creator God, it is sort of, to some extent it does. Um, the theology continues to be developed for Astronism. Um, I kind of don't like to sort of put it into a box, really, <laughs> at yeah. this stage. I think I just want to kind of explore it more. Um, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it is mono, monotheistic, um, but you could interpret it as that. You could You could interpret it as that. If, if you're thinking about the force uh, or air force, um, you know, and that being sort of like a singularity in a way, 
you could interpret it as that that being like a, a oneness. Um, and then we're getting deep into philosophy there because then you're getting into, is it a dualistic universe or a, a, a sort of like a, a universe based on oneness, essentially, um, which sounds, is interesting. <laughs> sounds like there could be a parallel to Gnosticism there in that, you know, we're all the, the theology of we're all sort of tiny points of light, yeah. a thousand points of light of, of the divine spark trying to reunite mm. with the whole in the next in the next place, wherever that yeah. may be. Wherever that is, yeah. I think there's definitely influences there. Um, to be honest, I've not really, I've kind of, I've not really looked into Gnosticism too much. Um, I've got, obviously I've come across it, of course, but um, I didn't really want it to sort of cloud um what i was doing for this for this dissertation in a way um which it can do because it's it's actually a very powerful set of ideas um and the the very useful and the very um possibly very valid um but i kind of just wanted to keep it to um for example i wouldn't consider gnosticism as part of the astronic tradition if you will um I, at this stage i wouldn't consider that uh to be part of it possibly in the future it might be um it's like the topic of astrology that was something that um a few people have had an issue with um at the moment i've classified astrology as part of this this sort of tradition that right. i've that i'm talking about some have had an issue with that because for that to be the case it would have to be a religion um some people just prefer to call it a pseudoscience and, and have done with it. Um, I do think that the astronic tradition, the one that I've you know postulated, I do think it gives a home to astrology. I think astrology has sort of been in this sort of weird place for the last 300 years where it's, it's sort of split between, split between the gaps of religion and science and sort of found itself sort of like a fad really, isn't it? You know, in, in sort of yeah. magazines and sort of newspapers and stuff. So I do, I, I kind of wanted to give a home to it in a way. And I do think it, it does definitely have a home in um, the astronomic tradition. So that would make astrology, you know, like a cousin to astronism, if you will. Um, but of course, you've got to distinguish between those two. You know, astronism isn't astrology which is always <laughs> that's the first thing that everyone asks me is right. is it it's just astrology and it's right. no it's not it's really really not it, they're very very different things um yeah. I'm, I'm sure in even in 50 years time people still be saying well is it not just astrology <laughs> no <laughs> yeah astrology sort of lost its footing since the abrahamic religions took over because like you mentioned babylonia yeah. You know, the yeah. Babylonian yeah. wise men were, were known for that. the astrology. That was the main Yeah, Yeah, and, it, and, it, and I mean, really, it did continue, I would say, until maybe the 17th century. It was still throughout the middle, middle um, medieval times. It was still, you know, widely believed because um, they didn't know any better and they didn't really know um, much else about the universe, did they, at that stage um, and how it worked. Um, so yeah, I would say probably for the last 300 years, it's seen a, a huge, obviously decline, but, but also it still exists, you know, there's still a widespread network of people who are involved in astrology. Um, it's, I think the main thing though, is 
the, the main issue that people and some academics have had is that, you know, it shouldn't really be classic. It shouldn't be given like a platform, which I can understand. They don't want to give it, you know, legitimacy, which you could say that for any religion though, couldn't you? You know, but um, I, I, at the moment, that's my position. <laughs> at the moment. Well, it seems to it's me it seems to me that astrology is you know putting into practice what we talked about earlier about the relationship between us as individuals yeah. and the stars i mean they yeah. they narrow it down to constellations yeah. and conjunctions and the sun and the moon and everything else but it seems to me that's what it's yeah. doing it's trying to provide a link or a theology mm-hmm. between us and the stars you know whether it's right or wrong i don't know but yeah. Yeah, and 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 I encourage them to con, you know, to continue to do that. You know, I, I obviously part of doing these, part of creating these different religious traditions is to understand, you know, kind of who is on your wavelength in a way. Um, obviously, the Abrahamic religions. <laughs> They share as a, as a belief, you know, so they kind of on the same uh, um, the same wavelength. Um, Astronism and, and just say it. Sorry, you know, Just say again. The same. Just say again from you know, the Abrahamic religion because you just yeah. broke up there. What were you saying? Oh, sorry. Right. Yeah, I was just saying about um, how obviously Abraham religions are are grouped together for a reason you know they share this monotheistic uh um astronism's the same with astrology you know that they're on the same wavelength right we think you know that space is outer space is the central thing put it that way that's the underlying principle which you don't see in other traditions um so i think it's fair to to group them together you know um, what about um, ancient Egypt theology? Does that have some parallels with astronism? Um, I wouldn't say so, no, but it definitely uh, it, it is definitely part of the astronic tradition. Uh, obviously, astrology was going on then, and also star worship was taking place there, uh, uh, and other forms of worship, moon worship, sun worship, and all these different things. Um, and other different practices as well but no not at not at this stage i think astronism and the beliefs that are part of astronism are definitely a product of contemporary times right um you know we think about galaxies at this stage you know you can see the progression though you know you can see like if you think Maybe if ancient Egyptians knew about galaxies and black holes and, you know, all these other different astronomical phenomena, maybe they would have worshipped them as well. You know, so we can see the progression that has taken place. So there's definitely a shared lineage there. Um, And and definitely astronism wouldn't wouldn't exist if these other ones hadn't already existed, I don't think. Um, But I... I wouldn't say there's any sort of direct um, comparison just because, um, you know, generally we wouldn't really worship the sun in astronism. Um, 
and we wouldn't really worship the the moon either. Um, the stars might be a different story. You could, I, I did an article a couple of uh, weeks ago now saying why astrology, uh, star worship, might be um, sort of logical and moral, which is quite interesting. Got quite a lot of, of interest, of course. <laughs> um, and I was just... And I was just sort of saying, like, um, the fact that obviously a theory about where we've come from as humans is that we came from the stars, you know, that, that we are made up of hydrogen and, and, and sort of uh, all these other chemicals, you know, and, and this idea of the panspermia um, yeah. theory um, that I can't remember who came up with that now, but, but Chandra that is a theory that was that Wickramasinghe. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I can't remember his name and I can't pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's so it's it's to do with that, isn't it? You know, it's it's does that therefore make it logical that we worship the stars then? <laughs> you know, if that's where we came from. Um, so that was the basic thing of the, of the article was just kind of like a fun article, really, just to say maybe that could be um, sort of a, like a rationale behind star worship if people wanted to, to engage in that you know well it, well, it did come from the stars so if if you want to worship where we came from go for it <laughs> it's um increasing sophistication in science and scientific um um discoveries that are influencing where you take your your belief system from mm-hmm. like because you interesting know, the egyptians didn't know about panspermia did they so if you can no. you, you sort it sounds like you're sort of incorporating the latest science and leaving Definitely. that yeah and i think it's, it's interesting i mean obviously science and religion have been at odds <laughs> but i think we should make a distinction there and we should say science and abrahamic religions have been at odds i don't think you know some of these other, like, for example, the astronic tradition, I don't think it's at odds with science at all, you know. Um, I think that it's developed with science. I think that, and obviously astronism, I believe, is, is sort of the next. And there are other movements as well. I'm not just saying that mine's the only one that exists. There are others that have, that have existed, and we can maybe talk about those in a little bit later on if we've got time, but... Um, you know, it's a progression. And, yeah, you, you can see that with the new scientific theories that are coming along. Um, they are producing, uh, like, byproducts, by byproducts, new beliefs, new practices, new ideas. Um, as we find more new planets or whatever you wish to call, you know, whatever astronomical object you you wish to focus on, there will be new beliefs that come from that. And definitely as we go into space ourselves, you know, as we um, begin to explore space properly um, ourselves, there's bound to be, you know, I mean, I was thinking that the other day I was, um, I was thinking, you know, obviously it might be the far future, but imagine when they're on that spaceship and they're just sort of, going past Jupiter or something, you know, there's going to be bound to be new ideas, new beliefs, new poetry, new writings that are going to come from, you know, space exploration, uh, new art, new music. 
So that will all feed into um, religion, of course, because or religion will feed into that. So I, I think it's um, obviously we're looking into the far future there, but yeah. <laughs> you can see where it's heading, can't you? You know, and, and I think science is sort of um, science is is sort of the basis of that. Science will help us get there. Science and technology will will help realize some of these beliefs. Will help sort of either discredit some or or realize some. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is it all right? Can you hear? Yeah, hear no, it's me? all right. It's okay. It seems like that the big game changer will be when, if, when, when, or if we find. Hello. Can you hear us, Comitan? Is he gone? He's frozen. Again. <laughs> can, yeah, he's sort of dropping in and out. It's just a bad connection, I think. So, um, I was just saying, I don't know if you can hear us, but it seems like the big. Got it for now. Just oh. one sec. Oh right. I think it's just my cat. The cat. I can now. All right, you can. I was just saying the like the big cha- game changer would be um, if we find life elsewhere in the solar system, wouldn't it? Back again. <laughs> you back? Oh, can you hear us, commentant? Sorry, just said again. I was yeah, just I'm back now. Sorry. <laughs> I was just saying, like the big. Yes, I can. Yeah. I was just saying the big... Uh, Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I was just saying, if you'll let me finish. Oh, it's sake. awful, isn't it? I, I, I can't wait to be back. It'd be great to come back again. <laughs> oh, it's all right. It's, all right. it's awful. We'll, uh, we'll, oh. we'll fix it in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying that the big game changer would right. be... Um, <laughs> okay, I'll need to. If we find life elsewhere in the solar system. Well... Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I don't believe that there's going to be intelligent life on Mars to our extent, but I think there could, there well could be, um, you know, small microorganisms that exist there or possibly even remnants of, of other. I mean, they were saying, you know, they they think that Mars was, was more like Earth, you know, millions and billions of years ago. So, you know, did anything develop there? We don't know. Could Earth end up like Mars maybe one day? Um, that is a possibility, isn't it? So, but yes, um, you know, finding intelligent life obviously will be, you know, sort of like a huge milestone in a way. Um, I probably have to think of a word up for what that <laughs> might, you know, what that might mean, you know, what, what, this, the great something maybe, or I don't know, this yeah. sort of, yeah, it will be. It'll be like a revelation, you know. If if we find if it, if it's found, it will be world changing, wouldn't it? It really would. It would be world changing. It would be a a huge um, turning point for everyone, for everything. Um, so, and obviously, hopefully, <laughs> it might be in our lifetime if we can yeah, get no. out there quick enough. <laughs> hopefully, it'll bring us together as well. There's nothing. There's nothing like yeah. bringing people together than a common enemy. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think obviously it's interesting to think about what might happen in the world of of religion. 
when that eventually comes. Yeah, it's difficult to explain we, that one, isn't it? Yeah, will sort of will the Catholic Church and, and other institutions accept it? Will they try and change their beliefs to suit it? Um, they're kind of not really in a position to do that because, um, you know, their theology is it's geocentric, it's 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 human centric. It's Jesus came here, you know. It's fine. He, he we'll, didn't go anywhere else unless. <laughs> unless we'll, uh, we'll just find some really really old books <laughs> that have never been seen before. We'll dig up. Some yeah, old that'll old be interesting. Yeah, and indoctrinate. Yeah, let's. <laughs> let's um let's see what happens with that that'll be interesting um i don't know i mean they might i, I don't know i i, I won't want to say i mean would they just say they, i don't think they could ever what a what, what a crisis that would be bloody hell i suppose it depends a lot on how, how sophisticated the life is i think maybe Maybe they could yeah, argue it but, if it was just microbes or virus or bacteria or something. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. maybe. Yeah, but if it, even if it was, you know, even if it was animals, you know, even if it was sort of okay, maybe they weren't intelligent, but evolution, they could be. Um, they could turn intelligent. So even if I think if we found animals, I think you'd have to take the logical um, sort of step to say, well, they could evolve like we did. So. There's no sort of, there's no way out of it. <laughs> there's no explanation. They got around, <laughs> you know. They got around the dinosaurs. Well, um, that's yeah, that's another interesting. Thing. So I won't put it past them. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know what they say about that. What What do they say about the dinosaurs? I don't. I've not listened to that. <laughs> did they not say anything? I, I think they probably just brush it under a carpet, a very big carpet. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's it's like what I, you know, put forward. You know, it's they, they won't like that, will they? Because it's you know I'm basing a lot of what they believe on prior star worship and astrology and other forms of astronomical religion. So yeah. you know they won't they won't like that. It's it, it, and then it becomes political, doesn't it? You know, that's when pol- politics come into it, and um, that's when sort of academia and scholarship and, and science sort of suffer. They suffer. And, um, you know, you've seen that through history with Nicholas Copernicus. Yeah. You know, he won out in the end, but he didn't see his um, theory, theory accepted. Of the, the earth revolving around the sun. See it. You know, he, he, he didn't see that theory become established you know, and in, in the way that he might have wanted to, to see it. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, that's when politics ruins things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two steps Political forward, one step back. Politics of religion, you could call it. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I think maybe, you know, I think today is a different day though, isn't it? I mean, the Catholic church back then pretty much ruled kind of the world at, the, at that stage, you know, yep. it, it ruled the majority of Europe and uh, the, the, the amount of wealth and power that they had was, was kind of unbelievable. Uh, you know, so um, obviously today a theory like mine might have, might be able to be spread quicker, you know, in, in a secular world, in a world that, 
that isn't so dominated by one religion anymore. Um, you know, but it was interesting. I was just as like a side note, I was thinking the other day about, um, someone was talking to me about like the Roman empire and how, uh, this is like totally off topic, but how the Roman empire sort of fell. And then like the Catholic church was sort of left really with sort of this sort of empire that was collapsed. And then, I don't know. They're the only ones to kind of take over. It was the the way the person put it across me. I'd never thought about that before. You know, the priests were just left with this sort of, I don't know, all the Caesar and all the, all those guys sort of obviously died out and everything. And then the church was just like, Oh, it, we're the only ones who have any organization. And to, yeah, and you, oh, no. <laughs> you get continued civilization going, I suppose. <laughs> you get, you get the. Would be without that? I don't know. Like the integration of, of Charlemagne at eight hundred AD and him becoming the Pope and the military head yeah. as well. Yeah, and she become the head of the theology and the military and the state. It's yeah, like, uh, yeah, whole lot of power in. Uh, yes, uh, and obviously, you know, we, we're and I was thinking about that as well with. Um, where it concerns astronism, obviously, you know, this is obviously a new religious movement of sorts. Um, and I was, I was, I found it interesting to sort of compare sort of the world that astronism is sort of existing in and, and sort of has been founded in and sort of the worlds that, for example, um, another religion founded in Christianity, for example, how, what different worlds you know, how different the world is now to, to sort of 2000 years ago and how, what effect that will have on maybe how astronism develops or how the astronic tradition is accepted. Um, yeah. You know, we live in a world now where, you know, I can That's... speak to someone in China if I want to or, or, or USA. So I'm just thinking, you, know, it's, um, you just got me thinking, you know, you know, the way the Romans crucified the Christians I wonder if yeah. the modern astronomic persecution, they probably just catapult you into space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see how you do up there. Yeah, maybe maybe that would be that would be like another form of... <laughs> Fortunately, I don't think there's any danger of you being persecuted. But uh, Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> what's, uh, what's coming up for you, Comitam? What have you got planned for the future? Uh, well, that's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't sort of... Um, I don't sit around for long. I have to I have to keep going and intellectually. So I've I've just obviously finished my dissertation. Uh, just got the grey back for that last last month, and then I'm working on my PhD proposal now. <laughs> um, cool. But moving into something totally totally different, I'm going into religious freedom and uh, freedom of religion, um, and it, it's sort of like a whole other area that i've that i've not looked at yet um specifically i'm looking at the recognition of religions around the world and Mm. how um systems of recognition like the one in china for example where they might recognize their own catholic church but they don't recognize the catholic church in rome or the authority of the pope or anything like that so i'm looking at how that how sort of governments might use recognition as a way to sort of suppress sort of religious belief and and sort of um, 
philosophical movements as well. So that's going to be the next three years for me now. Yeah, you've plenty to go out there. <laughs> Repressing religious <laughs> freedoms. I said you've plenty to go out there. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a whole... Um, it's a whole area of scholarship. Um, and I, like I said, it's an area that I've not really ventured into. There's a whole other group of people who are involved in that to, that don't know me yet and, and that I don't really know them. So um, getting to know them is, is, is I've started to get to know them and it's, it's been really great. And obviously I'm going to be doing interviews for my PhD and, um, you know, trying to get my theory proven and um, yeah, I'm excited. So cool. I've, I'm working on the proposal at the moment and then hopefully get that submitted by the end of this month and then start in January. So yeah, that, that's going to be probably the next thing I'll come and talk to you about. <laughs> sounds great. Yeah, sounds exciting. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, we'll have you back anytime you want. I think it's been great. It's um, it's coming up to time now, so um, we'll just have to... I know, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> Always Th- goes fast. Thanks for coming and talking to us again, Comitan. It's been good fun. Yeah, um, no, we'll, it's been a pleasure. We'll make sure we put all the relevant links in the episode notes. Um, if anyone yeah. wants to follow Comitan, we'll all the social media stuff and uh, the website will be there and your dissertation. Yeah, yeah we'll, brilliant, uh, yeah. we'll post all that stuff there. So, yeah, best of luck with the um, the proposal for the PhD. Um, Thank you. Just hang on the line for us while we play ourselves out. Yeah, of course. All right. See you in a flash, eavesdroppers. Fresh hell is this? Right then, we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That was our chat with Comitan, founder of Astronism. Yeah, or Brandon Taylor. Yeah. Brandon Taylorian. His pseudonym. Yeah, exciting stuff. I've not had a chance yeah. to read his, um, what do you call it, dissertation? Omnidoxy. Um, no, oh, dissertation. Dissertation, yeah. I, I read yeah. the abstract. Thankfully a little bit shorter than the Omnidoxy. That's a million words. Yeah. So only, it's only 15,000, his uh, dissertation. So he probably did that in like half an hour. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I wonder so. what the most used word in the Omnidox is. Could you feed it into one of his word cloud? The, would it not melt? There. Would it not melt the. the computer, melt the internet or something? Maybe. Too much data. <laughs> You'd need <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Data to process it, I think. You would. Right. Housekeeping. 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 Oh, iTunes reviews we need for the old housekeeping. Um, you need to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We've seen some some people coming over. Uh, we need more. Please subscribe to YouTube videos. This will be going up next Friday. Or this, fr- or this Friday, if you're listening now. Um, email us at theamishinquisition at gmail.com. Um, I got an um, interesting message from Tambarista2020 this week. What, is, what, does, what does that person, that gender-neutral person... Tambarista is a drummer. Right. I am downloading the audio. He's, he's commenting on um, the YouTube video with... Um, Adam Stokes from last week. Uh, I'm downloading the audio. 
on this one from YouTube to listen over the weekend. Netflix should do an Errol Morris type doc on this called Cooked by the Nephilim. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Pitch. Um that was that was Friday, I think, and then I have a follow up message. Um where is it? Is it just changed my mind? Should be Amazon Prime. <laughs> I'll have you lot know that as a result of listening to this podcast tonight, I was not able to gain access to my girlfriend's sacred mounds. <laughs> all, all the talk of extra arms, absorbed chimeral twins, and spoiled ovaries kind of got her out of the mood. <laughs> Cheers from Blue Balls USA. <laughs> oh, can we apologise? Yeah. <sighs> Thanks for that, well, Tambarista. You you got to love drummers, haven't you? They're just a breed of their own. Yeah, like manual labourers. Yeah, we got um, another message from the chairman of the Andy Shatkin fan club. <laughs> Amy from Insta, she enjoyed the last episode. I believe we played some some Shatkin for her. Some classic Shatkin. Yeah, what about this? I think you're hitting hitting the point, <laughs> Phil. That. Uh, uh, and it really bothers me uh, 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 because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this respect. Uh, uh, I was just for you, Amy. Uh, have, you little, put, have you cut that together? A little special compilation just for Amy. I think Super you're hitting, cool. hitting the point, Phil, that... Uh, uh, and it really bothers me uh, 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 because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this respect. Uh, oh, I fucking love Andrew Shatkin. He's our hero. <laughs> Got a birthday shout out this week. Mark Humphrey was 38 on Wednesday. I remember it. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mark. Oh, you're old like us. The same age. Yeah. Well, it's not old like me. It's old like you, guys. (laughs) That's right, yeah. You're several months younger. I forgot. Shows. We had some uh, bad news this week. Um, Previous guest, Bolt Upright, was admitted to hospital. Uh, Oh, Yeah. The assault problem. Um, but the good news is he's out. He got out yesterday. A, w- a what problem did you say then? Salt. Low salt. How does that Hy- happen? Hyponatremia. It was is that from that, yeah. drinking too much water or beer? There's, uh, I think medication can contribute as well. Uh, right, okay. So he's back home now, thank God, because it's his birthday on Wednesday. So Good. Happy birthday for Wednesday, Bolt. Happy uh, birthday... Happy birthday. Still waiting for that quiz. Still waiting for the quiz. Oh, yeah. yeah. Still waiting for that quiz, Bolt. You know, it's only been... It's going to be epic. Yeah. Epic when it arrives. Has he had a poo? <laughs> yes, he has, yeah. Okay, good. I think, I think he's... I was, I was concerned about that. Um, so, yeah, get in contact. Send us messages, send us emails, send us links, clips, videos, all the rest of it. Um, you know what the number one, one way of becoming a producer is? The number one. I know what that is. 
cough up. Is it some of these? Um, a coin. A blurred, <laughs> a blurred item. A hearing aid battery. Toss a coin to your witcher, Old Valley of Plenty, Old Valley of Plenty. I think you're hitting, hitting the point, Phil. Toss a that, coin to your uh, witcher, Old Valley uh, of Plenty. Uh, it really bothers me. Uh, 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 because I, I believe <laughs> I have an issue in this respect. <laughs> oh, yes, we need uh, monetary donations via PayPal on the website. Click on the How Do You Become a Producer tab. All the details are there. Um, right, let's say thank you to the producers for episode 153. We have Nomi Nosnodge, Gav Scott, Tambarista2020, and Ami from Insta. You are so amazing in your love for us. So amazing in their love. I've been coming to terms with the fact that I'm a Marxist. I'm literally a communist. The dwarf, the current, the grape, the VCs, the cripple, and the mother of God from hell. It's a mega mix. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for another week. Keep it coming. Keep uh, mm. keep it, keep helping us do this thing that we do. Mm. Okay. Well, shall we? Shall we have some COVID news? I suppose there is some. Mm. It's a boner two. There's a boner what? So there's one of two. <laughs> two of one. One of one of two. COVID-19 news. Put on your fucking muzzle if you go to the shop. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass from hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day in Timony. More lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. Two million people have to die. This is such a crock of shit. This is Sonny Pickering! Who the fuck's that? Yeah, me! <laughs> yeah, we've got some COVID news, fellas. Sonny Pickering! <laughs> You're right there, boys. Right there, Ben. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad, was it? We need to cry. <laughs> Sorry. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a clip from We Are The Masks YouTube channel because, uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, changes in the rules, the COVID rules, the rule of six, you can't do this, you can't do that, and it's it's brought a lot of confusion, so I thought I found a nice clip here from, what's it called, We Are The Monks YouTube channel. Well, it's lovely to be out here in this pub garden in the northeast, and of course the new coronavirus restrictions come into force today, but what I want to know is... Am I allowed to meet in this pub garden with a group of six people? I, I, I'm not sure. I wonder who could clarify whether I can or I can't for me. Uh, oh, I know. How about the skills minister, Gillian Keegan? Can you clarify for me whether I can meet in the northeast in a pub garden with six people? Um, no, I, I'm sorry, I can't clarify that. Oh. Oh, so you, so you can't. 
important. I mean, I know in the, the rest of the country, generally, you can, um, you know, meet um, in, in a pub. And you... But I'm not in other parts of the country. I'm, I'm in the northeast. Yeah, I'm sorry I can't answer that question. I'm sure there are many people who could. Yeah, maybe someone else could, could help me clarify this. Oh, I know. How about the Prime Minister? I bet he can clarify it. And uh, in, the, in the northeast uh, or in other areas where uh, extra uh, tight measures have been brought in, you should follow the guidance of, of, uh, of local authorities. Uh, uh, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's six in, in, in a home or six in, in hospitality, but uh, as I understand it, not six outside. Oh. Uh... Maybe not. Um, no, I, I'm sorry, I can't clarify that. I mean, I know in the, the rest of the country, generally, you can, um, you know, meet um, in, in a pub and you can, you can book a table. Um, and the restrictions are indoors in terms so of uh, rules of... rules. No, I don't know the answer to that question. But, um, you know, I'm sure they can find out the answer to that question. I just don't have the details of, of those seven areas. you can't give us the answer to that, I mean, how do you expect people to, to keep up to date with, with the latest rules when even you as a government minister can't answer that question? Yeah, I'm sorry I can't answer that question. I'm sure there are many people who could. Um, you know, I don't represent the North East. It's sending into forests, isn't it? Yeah. Nobody knows. I think that this is the thing, isn't it, that they keep getting um, panned for, is there's no um, single kind of voice telling us, you know, this is what you need to do. And it's all very differentiated now isn't it to these local lockdowns and stuff so nobody does have, have a clue really do they yeah i wonder if other countries are doing it the same as badly as this um well this is uh, i think we, we always compare ourselves badly to other countries don't we we always compare badly to other countries i think we compare ourselves oh, right. badly right i think as part of talking ourselves down but I don't know. Other companies, countries, sorry, might be differently. Uh, sorry, the same. I don't know. Are they, are they are they doing local lockdown? Oh, they're doing Spain, don't they? Like Madrid and <coughs> Catalonia yeah, got locked down, didn't it? France, France yeah. as well. I think are doing locals. Australia, obviously, but yeah. their locals are bigger than our entire country. I think mm. geographically. So I don't know. <coughs> Uh, I think the other thing is, is like um, <clears throat> antipathy as well, isn't it? Like kind of, oh, well, whatever. Nobody's listening anymore, I don't think, properly. Problem is, if government ministers can't even explain the rules, there is a problem with the rules. Um, yeah, I suppose. No. But there are no rules. The I, rules are there's no rules. I well, think, I think you're, if you can't confirm them... <laughs> I think if you if you're in the SNP, I don't think there's any rules. Oh yeah, <laughs> about that woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just jump on public transport, whatever. This yeah, is, that uh, was a bit Margaret Ferrier, mm. something like that. Yeah. Goodbye, goodbye, Margaret. Yeah. Not been sat yet. Oh, well, uh, no, time... she's been asked. She Nicholas Sturgeon said that she should stand down. Yeah. So why can't they sack her? Is it because it's like working for the NHS or the government that you just can't you have to like murder someone before just, you're sacked? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You're asked to. You're invited to fall on your sword. Yeah, and then the other thing does that mean as well? You get to keep your pension if you resign. 
Oh, she'll get a pension anyway, yeah. Even if she's sacked. Oh, yeah. I would have thought so. Do you think? Well, oh, well, maybe not if she's sacked. Maybe that's why they're trying to push her before. Trying to get mm. her to jump before she's pushed. I don't know. That's I what don't I mean. fucking know. It's just a so stupid thing to do. job. Yeah. It's I don't know what she's thinking. It's a massive it's just, pension obviously, as well. it, Yeah. And... Um, one term. What? You get it for one term. You don't have to do one term in Parliament. You get it. You get the full pension for life, as far as I know. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I might, how go, much you, I might go for it. How much, you, how much is the pension worth? Oh, it's a lot. It's a big, fat, big, fat fucker. Like, more than 30 grand? Oh, yeah. 50? I don't know. I'm guessing. I've no idea, really. It might be 10 right. grand. I don't know. Uh, oh. Anyway. So you wanna, I'll move on. I've only got uh, a couple of COVID clips because it's it's getting fatiguing. But um, Carol Sakura, the oncologist who we've played before, who's a bit of a guy who's sort of speaking out about the negative effects of the lockdowns, uh, he was on talk mm. radio this week. So um, I've got a little clip of him. Oh, we'll be over optimistic to imagine we'll have any kind of vaccine for at least a year. So. Uh, in which case, what is the government's end game with all this? And even a vaccine, everybody keeps saying, well, once we get the vaccine, then it's all over. We've beaten coronavirus. Uh, I think it's unlikely that even a vaccine will beat it. This government has a policy, apparently, to completely obliterate and eradicate coronavirus. I don't think that's possible. So what on earth do you think Boris, Matt and the cabinet's end game is? That is the problem. The strategy is not correct. Zero COVID is unachievable, just like zero flu, zero common cold. We live with these things. The viruses live with us. They're quite relatively harm. People die of the flu every year, as we know, and we accept that. Uh, We've got to accept the fact that the coronavirus, this virus, has caused total disruption, a lot of deaths. But, you know, we have to learn to live with it. And I'm afraid... The idea that somehow we're going to wake up with a vaccine, a magic vaccine. The magic vaccine. The magic vaccine. We don't have an effective vaccine for the flu. We don't have an effective vaccine for the common cold. And even for SARS, which is just the sister of this virus, we still, after 17 years, don't have a vaccine. So we've got to learn to live with it in a better way. And I'm afraid we're seeing reflex uh, reactions going on instead of a well-thought-out strategy. I think a kind of a collective insanity seems to have gripped this government. Uh, I think it's a good point about the zero COVID policy. Mm. Yeah, impossible. Yeah. It seems it? to be. I thought it was interesting. He said, we don't have an effective virus for the flu. Sorry, effective vaccine for the flu. <clears throat> well, there's not there's not a one-shot kills all. That You need a... Because of the nature of the flu and the way it mutates each year and there's different prevalent strains around the globe, you have to have a different vaccine for each hemisphere each year. But no, it's not 100% effective anyway. No vaccine is. Oh, but I, the thing is... I think he was a bit harsh when he said about the SARS, the original SARS, 17 years ago. We don't have a vaccine for it. The reason for that is no one's researching for a vaccine for that because it went away. So there's no point in putting any money in it. In a vaccine program, we, we lived with it. 
Well, yeah, well, yeah, it went away, yeah. So, I mean, how do you determine went away? Because <laughs> I suppose you could you could argue it's back now if this is a, a mutated version of it. I mean, we've we almost eradicated polio through vaccination. Hmm. I think his point is that because of these airborne viruses, so the trickiest customers that even with a really good vaccine, you're still never going to eradicate this. So, what are we? Our lockdowns, which are destroying people's lives and livelihoods and killing people through secondary means, are buying time for a vaccine, which might mm. not be very effective and might be in 12 months before it's massively, you know, widely available. Mm. I think I'm kind of with him on it, really. Yeah, can't live it, can't live with it, can't live without it, no. <laughs> Yeah. Something like that. The thing is, isn't it, is whether um, you stop the lockdowns and the restrictions and what that does, like we always say, doesn't it, to the admissions to hospital and all the rest of it, whether they'd stay low or not this time, I suppose. That's the other thing, isn't it? But then I suppose going forward, then if there's always going to be X amount of people in hospital with this then what what do you do get more hospitals yeah <laughs> don't know no it'll yeah. just take the place of the flu there's only so many old people who can die every year <laughs> so instead of dying from the flu they'll die of this sorry to sound if it sounds callous but this is what it comes down to people who are 80 die they don't live forever Something kills people, right? Doesn't it? Oh. What's it going to be? My mum's 80 next year. Well, the average age of COVID fatalities is 82, isn't it? <gasps> She's got two more years. Yeah, but I mean... I don't know. I don't know. It's like we're, we're, I think we're trying to... We're giving ourselves sort of expectations that... We can protect people forever. Maybe we're coming. We're, maybe we're coming to the limit of how how much we can increase longevity. I think that, that yeah, I think we've come to that anyway, haven't we? Because like people are pretty. Quite a lot of people when they get to that age are pretty knackered. Mm. Like I said before, I think my my mum's had enough. So, shoulders always sore now, yeah. as well as a knee. You know, she has a decent life, I think. But I think the thing is, is yeah, um, I suppose it, yeah, it comes down to that, doesn't it? Do you stop everything else to um, potentially save the lives of people that um, wouldn't necessarily be around much longer anyway, basically? Well, if you, if you made the calculation based on life years lost... Mm. You, you wouldn't do lockdowns and things. Mm. Because it... I wonder how it would have been treated differently if it was a like a disease of young people and it was like the, 20, the 20s and 30s mm. of us who were impacted most. Mm. I, I don't know if, the, if they'd have done anything different because they've, they've gone almost like maximum... Maximum uh, uh, effect on this 
this lot set of lockdowns and things. I, I don't think he could do anything different. <clears throat> I think the other thing, I don't know if it would have been even harsher because of, uh, you think about uh, someone in the 20s, how much tax that person produces. Yeah. So if you lose all, you know, a big chunk of your 20-year-olds and that generation, then you're screwed going forward, aren't you? Yeah, who pays the pensions? Exactly, yeah. I want my state pension. <laughs> I'm working for 50 years and getting jack shit. You've got a private pension though, right? Well, uh, a government one, uh, an NHS one, and other ones. Right. <laughs> Oh well, it's going to. Be... I don't think we'll be. We'll get state pensions by the time we're retired. No, I don't. Be a thing. Yeah, I know. I thought that. Uh, right, it's getting a bit morbid. I'm going to move on. Oh, thank yeah. God! God, uh, it's the presidential debate this week. Oh no! And um, Joe, Joe Mental, Joe Biden, gave me a bit of a an existential crisis at one point with this oh, statement. No is what it is well it is what it is because you are who you are that's why it is no what kind of cartesian mindful career was that Mm -hmm. it's uh it's classic existential confirmation (laughs) you should be heartened by that that's how that's added a billion voters, a billion US voters. I don't know how many people are in stakes. There's a lot. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, I'm not going to... I didn't take all the clips that everyone else took, like about um, him telling Trump to shut up and mm-hmm. and all the to-in and fro-in. But I did catch something that I thought was interesting about when they were talking about policing and <clears throat> um, how the Democrats might help policing. I thought I think this will be particularly interesting to you, Matt. They need more assistance. They need when they show up for a 9-11 call to have someone with them as a psychologist or psychiatrist to keep them from having to use force and be able to talk people down. What? They need more assistance. They need when they show up for a 9-11 call to have someone with them as a psychologist or psychiatrist to keep them from having to use force and be able to talk people down. The the police need to turn up with a psychologist. Or or a psychiatrist? From using force, yeah. Wow. Like handlers, like the police have handlers now. Uh, Like like, uh, head, head shrinkers. Handling. What they should do is just, well, I, I don't know if did they wear body cams on that George Floyd. The men to wear them all the time. Yeah, yeah, but not all of them are, are they? Not every state. In, oh, I don't know. Wherever. I don't know. I think it's only certain forces, but those apparently are the best way, aren't they? Of, but obviously, there's been loads. Of, I've even I've sort of come across stuff where. You read an article and you say, "Oh, the body cams were broken," and it like beat someone to death or something, you know. So, I mean, you um, can you imagine there will be some situations where if an officer gets in a scuffle and wrestling someone, that maybe, you know, it gets corrupted somehow. But yeah, when when they say, "Oh, the uh, convenient five conveniently it was uh, missing," yeah, <laughs> there's been something like that. I think like, or you know, like 
um, when that guy didn't kill himself and all the CCTV were broken on that floor. Jeffrey Epstein. And were, yeah, and they were all sleep, asleep in the in the common room. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Do you not fancy that it's job? That's a bad idea. Do you not fancy that job, Matt? No. Going, uh, yeah, actually, going to 911 yeah, calls with police and talking people down? No. Talking the police down, stopping the police using violence. That's what I yeah. read it as. Oh, no, I read it's it the other way. I read it the other no, way. No, no, Talking the perp. No, down. it's stopping the police uh, from using police, violence. Yeah. So if you you give them a psychologist handler and you also yeah. replace all their batons with foam batons <laughs> and water pistols, <laughs> give everyone water pistols, you know, then we'll see where the problem lies. <laughs> have you seen the, the shield tasers they have? Oh, isn't that the, one of the, some of the militia groups are using those? They've been banned, haven't they? I don't know. I just saw a brief clip. It's like a riot shield, but it's got a taser built in. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. I, um, I've got, um, unrelated to the debate, but there's a clip been circulating of um, Joe Biden getting roasted for being a plagiarist. I don't know if you've heard this. Now, on, on the political scene, uh, one of the Democratic candidates is Senator Joseph Biden. Have you seen the problem he's been having? He went around and made a speech. And apparently, he quoted a, I think it was a British politician, took his speech and kind of paraphrased it as his own. And then the press got on him. And then he was charged also with taking part of Bobby Kennedy's speeches. And Biden says, not to worry. He reassured his staff. He said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Do you know what that's from? Was it, was it recorded in 1958 or something? It sounds so it's old. Old, that's an old clip, because it was from his, his original presidential run in the 80s, I think, or 90s. It was against George Bush Sr., I think. It's from the, Johnny, it's from the Johnny Carson show, 1983. Oof. He was first elected to the Senate in 73, I think. Or 72. No, I read I read something about he, when he went made a bid for the White House, that all this came out against him. It derailed his um I think he campaign. got re- regurgitated. I think this was when it was first caught right. in the early 80s. Uh, yeah. Right, okay. He's just been around so long, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's old. They're all old. Mm. Yeah. He's got hairy legs. I got hairy legs. That's <laughs> how you can tell he's old. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. I, I watched the debate. It was a bit of, well, it was a fucking shit show, to be honest with you. Mm. Did you watch any of I, it? No, the man said the, the um, what do you call him? Mediator. Mediator. Yeah, said it was a dumpster fire. So I thought, mm, no. And uh, since he's been diagnosed with the Rona. Who? Trump, apparently. Oh, no, I hadn't heard about it either. <laughs> DJT. He, they all have. Have you, not, have you seen this uh, event where they think it's all come from? No. You know, it was the, the inauguration the of the judge. There was no social 
social distancing. There was about 200 people there or something. It might be more. And they're now classing it as a possible super spreader event. <laughs> There's loads of people there had it and they were all hugging and kissing each other and, and it's all gone round everyone, basically. The uh, the way I, I'd heard it is that he has a test every day and it's the the 15-minute test, which is only 50% effective. Um, okay. So so he had the fifty the, the fifteen minute test and tested positive on say I think it was the Wednesday and then he immediately had the PCR test. Yeah. And then he went to this thing before the results of that came back. And then uh, once that came back uh, that's when he isolated. Well, so this is where they're saying there's like confusion about when he actually tested positive because some people are saying Wednesday and then he Friday. Gets, and... He gets tested every day, yeah. But I mean, I mm. think the 15 minute test is a an early warning to get the mm. the more accurate test. I think, but who knows? Right. Be interesting to see over the next few days what happens with him. Yeah, they're saying that he's, <laughs> they said that he's he's had to had to have oxygen. Has that, that been apparently. confirmed? Yeah, yeah, the BBC, yeah. Yeah. and he's had his he's had his uh, shot of steroids or something. I think he'll be fine. Like Bojo the clown was fine, wasn't he? he and he you was... know, if you remember, go, if you remember going back to um, when he was uh, being elected, the, his physician said he was the finest specimen. specimen. He's ever run for president, the presidency ever, so <laughs> he's probably never going to die. Well, the thing is, ever. he's famously a proper germaphobe. Yeah, doesn't yeah, like, like don't shaking hands, is it? No, doesn't like bodily contact or, or anything like that. So, and yet he's wearing. What about when he's uh, grabbing the pussy? <laughs> <laughs> he washes his hands after. It's self cleaning the pussy, anyway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's how he washes his hands. <laughs> He's a billionaire. Sorry, sorry, he was jokes. Yeah, everyone was um, shocked at how little income tax he paid. I was like, were they? Yeah, I was like, what? Do you not know how the world works? No, yeah, seven hundred fifty dollars. He filed for bankruptcy twenty-five years ago, so he's just been paying it back ever since, hasn't he? Allegedly, that was the way he got out of paying tax, wasn't it, for two decades? It's just a con, isn't it? I don't remember that story. Can't say I do. No. He basically, in, in about 1995, he filed for bankruptcy, but apparently it's just a common tax avoidance scheme. Yeah. Because if, I don't know, I don't know how it works, but you know, I assume because you write off all that debt and so you've got that back, I don't know. So you have to pay tax. Do you know, um, I think I talk about Giants last week. Fucked my head up. Um, was it that or something else? I, <laughs> what are you doing, Ben? He's colouring in. Can you hear scribbling? Ben, you in, you, it's just like last week when you said, I'm not doing emails. Busy hands. <laughs> when he, when he colouring. Oh, I, was, I was totally emailing last week. Um, but what, we just heard you colour in something and then you said you're not doing anything and then we heard you put down the pen. <laughs> that's that's so not true. 
Yeah, that's what you're scribbling. That's scribbling anything. Literally, not scribbling anything. Hmm. I could scribble something now. You can hear what the sound of scribbling is. You ready? I don't need to because I just heard it. It's like it's like watching a child play <laughs> with a nuclear <laughs> device. Yeah. <laughs> After if I had a nuclear device to play with, <laughs> what? What have I got? Oh, I'd play with it. <laughs> After we record, you... go on. As I say, why can't you just settle down? Play with this. <laughs> yeah. Does it have lights and sounds? Uh, it does. Yeah, I think it, uh, the batteries are uh, a bit low. Ben is I'll holding. Squeeze it a bit. It's incredibly loud. He's holding a 1 to 1,000 scale Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. model. <laughs> so after we recorded last week's podcast in the at the night, I had two consecutive nightmares. Nightmares, oh, no. not dreams. Nightmares. <clears throat> um, Continue. The first one, um, I was at school, our high school. All right. And I went, sorry? Classic. Classic. I went to the toilet mm. and I was not a child. I was as I am now. And I pulled... A man-child. man-child, yeah. <laughs> I uh, pulled down my trousers and <laughs> sat down on the toilet. And like I a f- bitch. Like a bitch. <laughs> well, it's probably a number two. And I felt a paw on my knee. Like a cat's paw. <laughs> right? Are, are, are you doing it in the voice of Al Pacino now? <laughs> <laughs> and do you know, it, you know, if you've ever been around cats, you get the feeling that they're going to use you as apparatus. You can like feel the pressure, <laughs> like they're about to leap off you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I could feel this pressure <clears throat> starting. I thought. Oh, the cat's going to jump out the window, the open window behind my head. So I turned round and the window was shut. And when I turned back towards the cat, I looked at its head and it had a bat's head. (laughs) Like a horseshoe bat. You know, like the really ugly, like a a pig. Yeah, Yeah, they're snarly. But the size of a cat. (laughs) And it jumped at my face and I woke up. Because I got high, because I got high, because I got high. That was about half past three in the morning. Right, okay. I went back to sleep and I had a second nightmare. Now, can I just ask before you tell us about the second nightmare, did you have a cheese toasty after the podcast? Nope. The missus asked me that. I said no. A block of of cheese? No. No. Barely. Bit of acid? No. Go on then. Uh, the second nightmare, I was in like a village with my family, almost like somewhere I didn't recognise, but it, I had the feeling we were on holiday. And we were in sort of like a square, like a village square. And I bumped into Ryan Seven. And right. Ryan came up to me and said, basically... Um, your kids are in danger. 
They've been sold. That's the kind of thing he would say. <laughs> um, the deal's been done, £500 each. The guy's going to come and pick them up at five o'clock in the morning. And I was mm. like, uh, what the fuck? What? Um, <laughs> I'll, I've, I'll give him the money. He doesn't need to come. No, it's too late. It's been done. The deal's done. What the fuck am I going to do? So I, I end up barricading the family in a room with Ryan Sevens <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> and just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then mm. a guy breaks into the room and I jump on him and wrestle him down to the floor and the gun scatters across. And that's when I look at the door and the second guy comes in, pop, 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 me, Ryan and the missus. And then I'm just sort of led bleeding out and I can see them both grab my two kids and walk out with them. It's awful. That is terrible. Did you manage to get back to sleep after that one? Yeah, yeah, for like an hour. Because <laughs> it was like you need to learn lucid dreaming so you can turn those guns into bananas and just like fly through a brick wall or whatever you want. Take you know, control of your dreams. Do you know any of the tricks for lucid dreaming? Absolutely not. I knocking know, I, on doors is the thing, isn't it? You said. Yeah, knocking on knocking door on frames door. to make sure they make the right noise and feel right. That's well, in real life. Or? In real life, in your waking conscious life, every time you go through like, a door, which one's that? <laughs> <laughs> Just give it a tap. Oh, that's a real door frame. Good, because then the next time you're lucid dreaming, you'll knock on a door frame and like your hand will go through it, and then that's when you'll click and realise you're lucid dreaming and you put your Superman outfit you know, on. Do you know what the other one is? Scribbling on post-it notes. Right. In your way to oh, and the truth shall set you free. Oh, the other one, the other trick is to just every now and again during the day, just look at your hand and just make sure it looks okay. That's normal. <laughs> because next time you're dreaming, you'll look at your hand and you'll have an extra finger or there'll be an eyeball in the palm of your hand or something weird. And that's Ooh. that'll be the trigger. Oh, I'm lucid dreaming. There we go. You mean the second eyeball, right? (laughs) Apparently, not really put them into practice, but apparently they work. In fact, Mm. I think I heard them off Scott Adams, the Dilbert guy. The, um, what's it called? The, uh, what's it? Affirmations guy. Cosmic ordering. Yeah. That's not Noel Edmonds, isn't it? Is it right? Okay, moving on. I've got a date yes. for your diaries. Go on then. Date for your diary, lads. October the twenty-first. Halloween. Oh no, wait. Now October the twenty-first. Put this in your diary. Um, the reason. Let's well, I'll let I'll let Liz Hurley explain why. Ooh. So. We have this wonderful thing on the 21st of October where anyone can tune in to something that myself and Dr. Zoe are doing, where we're doing the biggest self-check, breast self-check online that everybody can watch, tune in and learn how to um, check their own breasts. It's on the 21st of October and we'd love everybody to join in and have a lesson because it's really, really important to familiarise yourself with your own breasts so you can see if there's a change. We'll... 
Very good. So is Liz Hurley going to get her boobs out? Is that what she's saying? Um, well, we're going to have to tune in to find out, are we? What's the website? <laughs> I don't know. It's all about, oh. she was on this morning raising awareness for uh, breast cancer. Because, you know, with the COVID thing, screenings are down and all the rest of it. Yeah. So. Good. A worthy cause. Definitely. Nice boobs. Yeah. Have you have you seen her? Yeah, she looks good, doesn't she? 55 she is. Yeah. She looks incredible. 55. Mm. wonder what her secret is. An, an, an amazing life. <laughs> Zero stress. Yeah, basically. How did... Was she a model at first? Was she like a supermodel or what? Before Austin Powers? I think she was a socialite, wasn't she? And then she kind of got in this relationship with with Hugh, didn't she? Huge Grant. And then um, she kind of tried to be an actor for a bit, didn't she? And she can't act. She was in that film, that remake... Uh, is it called Bedazzled? Oh, Bedazzled, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remake of an old classic, isn't it? With the uh, sort of mm. temptation of the devil. Mm. With, I think, Brendan Fraser. Ooh. That's a good shout, that film, I think. You're correct. Who was... Is he in that film where they go to the, the <laughs> centre of the earth? Yes, and it's it... called Journey to the Centre of the Earth. No, no, no. Oh, is it that one? Because he's in the core as well. There's a really awful one with a, something to do with the poles flipping. But every time it's on, I have to watch it. <laughs> I think the core it's one, it's got J- J-Lo in, hasn't it? And Stanley Tucci. <coughs> I think. And, in, and they go in that little orb. Is that not when they have to? It's, yeah, like oh, you say. Isn't that Samantha Mumba in uh, the time travel? <laughs> time travel thing. The time machine. <laughs> The time machine. What's it? Is it HG Wells? Yeah. Samantha Mumba. Fucking hell. Blast from the past. Yeah. Um, Stanley Tucci is in an upcoming remake. Have you heard about this? June. The Witches. Oh, yes. Well, I just saw a poster for it the other day. That film is um, still terrifying now. Yeah, my kids won't the watch it. The original witches. Yeah. I, it freaks me out watching it still. Angelica Houston. Queen witch. Mm. Yeah. Well, we you... all get undressed. Take you... the um, faces off. Inspect the breasts. Yeah. Um, the new head witch is Anne Hathaway. Yes, that's oh. who I saw in the thing. The poster. She was the person. Yeah. So interesting. Um, we're big Roald Dahl fans. Hopefully, it's not as freaky as the original Witches, and my kids will be able to actually watch it. I think it'll be toned down somewhat, but I, think... I imagine still quite weird because the, that's uh, Roald Dahl, isn't it? Hopefully, they won't be able to watch it in a cinema world, though. No, that today. Well, no. they'll be able to watch it in a cinema world, but in Eastern Europe. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a trek. What's but, uh, yeah, Cineworld? UK and US Cineworlds closing down because Bond was delayed or something. I can't quite figure it out. Something to do with Bond. We were promised uh, by our know, friend we in the industry that this would yeah. this would not happen. This is the the big studios <coughs> hanging out mm. the uh, cinema companies to dry. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's, I didn't read, I've never been to a Cine World, but when I read the article, it said it's the largest chain in the UK. It's one in Burnage, isn't there? Don't know. Near there. That's, uh, yeah, Parswood. Parswood, um, yeah. I thought that was a view. <laughs> oh, maybe it's changed. I remember maybe it's probably switched around a few times. I think the thing is, is view of um, kind of changed how they operate in, because um, sort of like the pricing structure and stuff. So all films now have kind of got, um, they put a surcharge on like really popular films. So they know, so they're like a, a quid extra to go and see them. But VU, um, they do that, but also in locations like in Blackburn and Cleveland's, all films are £5 to watch basically all the time. So yeah. like if you have a smaller kind of captured audience or whatever, then they reduce the prices and they make more money. You see, shrewd. if it was not so expensive, we might go. Or go more often. Yeah. Um, you just need to move to Blackburn then, or Cleveland's. Yeah. You could go every weekend. What's it cost now at, at our local view for a family of four? Well, it's six ninety nine a ticket now at Preston one. Oh, is it? That sounds cheap. Mm. Yeah, cause that's bad. because of the current situation, isn't it, though? Oh, right. So, mm. like, normally... I thought it'd be 20 I think quid for, for two of you, normally. I, th- I think, last, when I went to go and see Star Wars, it was about £13. Yeah. For an adult, just one adult ticket. But that's got the extra one or two pounds on it. Right. But Vodafone do the twofers at the moment quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, so is Orange get... Wednesdays st- still a it's, thing? No, it's, yeah, it's Meerkats yeah. now, isn't it? Compare the um, cinema. You, yeah, but that's different times now, isn't it? Right. That's it. I think, yeah, I think it's more more days you can go on now. Okay. Do you remember? Yeah, I used, to, yeah, I used to show the old text message from Orange. Mm. A guy, that actor, he was in yeah. some B movies and then the Orange adverts. Yeah. I always got him confused with Kevin Spacey. Kevin really? Bacon? <laughs> I think so. A little, little <laughs> bit same. Anyway, we're rambling. Yeah, Gino's back on this morning as we found out oh god he's got a quiz show as well hasn't he what's he doing family fortunes yes we found this out uh, last week didn't we played the clip did we yeah he was back on this morning and he was talking about comfort food during the lockdown and I think he speaks for a lot of men in the UK here in this clip that's okay to overindulge in uh, in a sad time like this with all this COVID going on. Right? So it's something to yeah. make you feel something better. to makes you feel better, and this is where my cheesecake comes through. Yeah, yeah, this and is plus, worth it. You know, is it women have this thing of always they want to go on a diet, is it? It's, it's, I always hear, I never no, I hear. I think men do I think, too, but, yeah, I I, but mainly I think it's women do it. Wobbly. I like Willoughby, you know. I it's Willoughby, actually, but... Uh, by... <laughs> no, it's... A... Well, Willoughby used to be wobbly, huh? <laughs> then, you know, and, and wobbly... Willoughby wobbly was fantastic. <laughs> Willoughby wobbly was great. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Fact. Oh, it's not very PC. You should have seen look on Holly's face when he was saying all oh, women going on about diets. Oh, no, 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 no. no. 
oh, you can't say that, not in this day and age. No. no. I think it's probably true. Away with it. Oh, he gets away. He's Italian. Come on. It's just what he says. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have we anything to add? Um, no. Mm, Past no. my bedtime. Yeah. yeah. Time's knocking on. Yeah. Good. Yep. Right. Um, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I started watching The Boys, but I remember we spoke about that, not on the podcast. No. So I'll, I'll save it for another non-podcast conversation. <laughs> okay, well, you know, join us next week. We've got Georgia Van Ralt on next week. Oh, uh, yeah. She's going to be talking to us about ritual magic, sex magic. Oh. All that stuff. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Blood Sugar Baby. Yep. So, um, we'll bid you adieu. Adieu, adieu. Yeah. Adieu. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. Take care of yourselves. I got hairy guns! Because I'm literally a... Guns! Guns! Great. I've been coming to terms with the fact that... I'm a Marxist. Because I'm literally a communist. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass. From hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and terminating mode yeah. like... This is funny victory! Who the fuck's that? Yeah, me! I think you're hitting, hitting the point, Shell, that, uh... <sighs> uh it really bothers me. Uh... Uh... Because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this respect. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's a homophobe yeah. and he's a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs>